Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. I am the Count from Sesame Street. Okay, now enough playing around. Oh, enough playing around, okay? We got a legit vampire movie to cover as we honor William Marshall and Thalmus Rasulala's, I hope I said that right, dope-ass mustaches in 1972's Blackula. I got one woman to love, and her name is Luva, and I hope to slap her in the back of my Blackula. The man sees what we refer to as a unibrow and says, hold my beer. Yet somehow he looks a thousand times better than anyone else with a unibrow. I do not know how he does it. Anyway, enough wasting time because I can't wait to dig into this movie with today's guest. Now let's head to Transylvania, purchase one of Nicolas Cage's castles, ship all the furniture, including a damn coffin that we refuse to open until it's all arrived to our con in Los Angeles, then let's open it up and become some groovy-ass vampires and hit up the club because we thirsty and our capes are drop-dead sexy, baby. Now play that shit theme song. It's the most deadly podcast you We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips. It's the mustachio All right, welcome to the Pistachio Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Segura. And today I welcome one of my favorite humans that I've gotten to know thanks to this shit that I do, this podcasting shit, which I absolutely love. His name is Bobby Trippett from the Grind Bin Podcast. How is it going, Bobby? Bleh, Daniel. Bleh. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, I feel like it's been 200 years since I've been on this show. Uh, <laughs> it's been a bit. It's been a it bit. is great to be back, man, and it's great to be talking about this movie. You always bring the gold, man. And uh, honestly, I'm honestly, I feel a bit ashamed that I've never seen Blackie Live. Oh, it's always been one of those in the back of my mind. Gotta watch it. Gotta watch it. Oh, absolutely. It's you. one of those, like, you've, yeah, almost everybody who's into, you know, Grindhouse Exploitation or any kind of movies from the 70s or 80s, like, you've heard of Blackula. Yeah. Like, it's almost, the title is kind of a punchline, but but uh, it's, it's exciting <laughs> yeah. that you finally watched the movie, though. It's, and honestly, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell everyone right now, if you haven't seen this movie, go check it out. I knew I was going to really like it, uh, just just kind of from the vibe of it and the fact that, I always hear good things about it, and it it surpassed a lot of my. Um, it still surpassed a lot of my expectations. It, it was a lot of fun to watch. I think that catches a lot of people off guard, uh, because uh, with the title like that, you think you're getting into like a really goofy movie. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a real slapstick kind of parody type thing, but that's not at all what we're doing here. Uh, funny enough, it almost was though. No, tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> uh, so William Marshall, who we're who we're honoring with this episode, uh, yes, took on the project. And when he took on the project, uh, the main character was supposed to be this guy named Andy Brown, just a uh, just a dude living in Los Angeles gets bit by a vampire, it becomes Blackula. You know, <laughs> hilarity <laughs> ensues. And to his credit, William Marshall's like, no, that's that's not what we're doing. Once he got hired on, he like got a hold of the script and started making edits. Wow. And, uh, he had this whole thing of like, we're gonna. We're going to approach this and give this character some dignity. I love that. And I think that's one of the things that makes this movie special is William Marshall is performing like this is no joke. 
You know, and he like he yes. he, he brings a performance uh, with dignity to the character, and I think that's what really uh, carries the film. It's as if he's on stage the whole shit. Like he's uh, he's in he's doing theater. Um, and I think that's where he yeah. came from. I think he had a theater background. Prior he does. To this. Yeah, I did read about that. Yeah, he has a great theater background. You can. T- I mean, the guy's voice just bellows through a room. Oh yeah, it reminds me a lot of Tony Todd's uh, Candyman performance. You're right. Oh, like, yeah, I'm playing. I'm in a dumb horror movie, but like, I'm gonna make this something special. I'm gonna make this something more than what it was gonna be. It's perfect for this. It's just perfect because you get the '70s vibe. You get you get you know a lot of really good music, and you need that. You need that personality to stay exactly where it's at. He literally woke up from 150 whatever years ago. He shouldn't just vibe right away with the times. And I think he does because he decided to come in as so serious and dramatic. It works perfectly <laughs> for this movie. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm sure it would have been uh, I'm sure it would have been fun if he was just like, you know, BG and down the street escape, <laughs> you know, to the funk soundtrack. Uh, but like, it became so much more when he said, no, my character's a prince. My character yeah. was royalty. And we're going to we're going to go from there. You know, and like that's yes. it uh, makes man. sense. It makes perfect sense, and that's how you get the difference between uh, this and Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which honestly is on the list of movies for me to cover. So <laughs> we might be hitting that up. I think I should too. I think it might be an interesting take uh, to go, especially after seeing this movie. So we'll see how that goes. absolutely. Uh, you'll like this though. Uh, speaking of Brooklyn, when uh, when Blackula premiered in New York. They did a promotion uh, where it was free admission to anyone who showed up in a flowing cape. Wow. Can you imagine (laughs) being there that night? To just be a fly on the wall. Oh, my God. And everyone walking in's just got this, like, grandiose cape on that they're they're strutting in. It's like a fashion show in there. Jeez. I mean, I... There's that's something that you know it wouldn't work here in South Texas. Way too hot, but if <laughs> it's, capes, not, it's not a Cape area, no, it is not. The humidity is far too. Although it would cover some of your back sweat, uh, depending on how much you sweat here. But I would love to sport a cape if I was in New York City. It's just you know, if I didn't, if it didn't automatically make me look like a pimp, uh, I would totally do it. <laughs> that's the thing too. Is in like 1972, how many people in New York City were walking around in capes? Yes, I mean, if even media char- is to be believed. Exactly. A character even does comment on it. I'm sure we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, like, I think it was. But at the same time, it seems like the 70s style wise was so. I don't even know how to explain it. It was, it was, it was so f- open. Like, it seems like everybody was kind of experimenting with different colors and different styles. He still, still nobody really questioned that much why this guy dressed in a freaking cape with a like a old school suit tuxedo type thing going on. Like he he is dressed like the Count from Sesame Street. Yes, <laughs> like it is a full on like it's a, and no one has a problem. It reminds me of uh, what was it the seventy nine Superman the first time Supes appears in costume in Metropolis and there's a pimp on the street. He goes, "That's a bad outfit." <laughs> I was like, "That's perfect." Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It 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 it, do, it really does. And the fact that everybody just he, and he kind of does. I'll give him this. He, he does sort of adjust. He does calm down a little bit with like he figures out what's going on fairly quickly. But there's never a scene where he asks what time you know what year are we in. Yeah. I think he just kind of goes with the flow. 
But the movie doesn't need to spend time on. That's one thing I like about it. It doesn't spend a lot of time on details. We don't really, we don't need to necessarily know. It just Absolutely. goes. <laughs> you get the you get the bullet points, and then we're off to the races. And I really appreciate that. It, yeah, me too. I think, uh, and also it kind of goes by its own. I don't know how much the vampire rules were graved, you know, engraved in stone at this point, but this one kind of goes by some of its own type of rules. Like he kind of enters homes when he wants. Uh, you uh, don't to so a degree, to... there is a scene where he asks if he can come in. That's true. And I, I thought that was just you know kind of subtly dealing with that. Yeah, it could have been a little bit of a wink, wink, because there was times where he kind of goes in, and then times where he's like. But then I, I'm not sure if he's just trying to be charming as fuck because, you know, he, I mean, yeah, be charming. The, the one time that he does wait to be invited in is when he's talking to someone he's trying to court. Exactly. <laughs> for, for reasons other than a quick bite. So what was your um, first like when did you first watch this movie? Has it been a while or, you know, it had been a while for me, but I watched it. Uh, I had a VHS tape I watched as a kid. I Oh, wow. Like this is kind of odd, but like I had a an early fascination with black exploitation movies. Yeah, uh, I you know I was too young to really th- and, uh, consider any of the uh, the the deeper uh, ramifications or meanings of any of that. But I just thought like they had such cool music and like the the lead characters, you know, Shaft, Superfly, Dolomite, Truck Turner, stuff like that. Just like these were movies about like some just some really cool people <laughs> like exactly. fighting bad guys and you know uh and uh, like the especially rudy ray moore like the guy would just say stuff like oh, just yeah. the he, most just in your face shit he's just yelling nonsense and going <laughs> and karate chopping people as a kid i was like this rules perfect this is this stuff is so cool <laughs> um i have a different appreciation for it now as an adult um yeah. understanding more about the genre uh but so I had seen uh, Blackula like one time when I was maybe eight years old. Wow! And so uh, and thought it was cool. You know, I, I've never been a uh, a massive vampire movie fan, but this is definitely one of my favorites, especially after doing the rewatch for this. And honestly, not a bad vampire starter kit movie because it's not way over the top violent. It's not way over the top sexual. You know, you you get you get a sense of intimacy from the movie, but for the most part, I don't think there's any nudity from what I remember. I don't I think there was any. Can't recall any. No, and yeah. and no violence besides the the classic, you know, two holes in the neck. Yeah, not, the not little, a whole bunch the little, of blood. The little puncture wounds, you know. And uh, yeah, this is a good one if you have like a, a, a an early teenager who is interested perfect. in horror. It's perfect uh, for it. Yeah. And there's a few, you know, genuinely there's... kind of chilling shots and yeah. scenes in this movie. But for the most part, uh, yeah, it's a nice way to ease on into that pool. Yeah. And, of course, it being from the time that it's from, a couple of terms we definitely don't use anymore. So maybe let your teenager know we don't use that word anymore. But uh, other than there's some good teaching moments, I guess I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Uh, you know, frankly, uh, I admired their restraint considering it was 72. You're you're right, especially... Like, I think you, we just get one F-bomb. But you're from the grind bin. You see some of the most guttural cesspools. That's what I'm saying. Like, I That's know true. what else was out at the time. You, yeah, you know actually, what's going on. I think, again, this was this may have been William Marshall being like, no, 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 dignity. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not, yeah okay. we're not making one of those movies here. Like, we're making some art. We're actually going to make a movie. Yeah, it's funny you explain that because now I can see why the tone is the way it is. He definitely must have had an influence on it. So, Well, this man does go on to be the king of cartoons on Pee Wee's Playhouse, so he was always going to be royalty. 
Yeah, I can't believe that, by the way. That is amazing. Talk about a career. <laughs> like, that's the two things you're known as. You're Blackula and you're the king of cartoons. It's so perfect, though, with Pee-wee. Pee-wee always kind of, like, was a weird bridge between just just the oddity of things and fun and I don't even know how to explain it. There's just something – because I could watch a Pee-wee's Playhouse episode now and still have a good time with it. So Oh, for sure. It's kind of timeless, but I adored that show when I was a kid. That yeah. was that was event television. Do not talk to me if Pee-wee's Playhouse is on. <laughs> don't walk in front of the TV. Yeah. Walk that's around. like it's like breaking uh that's like the was it dylan in new nightmare when he snaps out of the dream and just starts screaming <laughs> like if you if you walked in front of the screen when Wee was on i will just scream at you <laughs> so we are in transylvania 1780 Blech. and uh we are at the uh, castle dracula classic and um he calls <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of an intro where we realize that this is a business meeting here. He's like an ambassador, Mamualde, which is uh, which eventually becomes Blackula. He's an ambassador for what Dracula calls the Dark Continent, which I'm figuring is a part of Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we realize like, more about Dracula as this scene goes on. <laughs> like we never get, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we ever get uh, the name of where he's from until later. Like way later, uh, he... it's later in the film. At least not in yeah. the cold open. Not in really the cold know open. where he's from. No, it's super out there. You just kind of figure that's what they're trying to refer to. Uh, it, I mean, calling it the dark continent sounds like a place where Simba can't go or some shit. I was just like, confused. <laughs> yeah, this is the Prince of the Elephant Graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Luva, who is uh, the the woman that he brought with him, it's his. I think I believe his wife. It's his wife. It's 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 the princess of uh, of his home. And, you know, find you a partner that says something like, you know, that you're the crystallization of your people's pride. Find you a partner that will say that. In front of some, yeah, that is a man. man. If someone said that about me, I would just feel like, you know what? I've achieved everything. I'm good now. I'm just going to. You know, I said that to my wife and she just stared at me. I was like, <laughs> ah, maybe I didn't deliver it right. Let me put on a cape. I just realized that might not work if you're white. That might sound kind of weird if you're like at a dinner party and you <laughs> You say that your partner's the crystallization of your people's pride. People, then, yeah. There's a couple white dudes in the room who just give you a nod. You're like, oh, <laughs> shit. I didn't mean to say that. I, I, I meant she's Polish. I didn't mean. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, but he's here on important business with Dracula. Let's talk about Dracula for a second, though, because yeah. uh, not what you'd expect from a, a Dracula performance. Because uh, he, I, I, I think I could best describe his look as Vincent Price said no. You're right. You are very right. I, in fact, I thought it was Vincent Price at first glance, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" You can't tell me they didn't reach out to him, that they didn't try to get him. They had to have. And he was probably like, "I'm not going to star in a film called Blackula." <laughs> I will not do it. Yeah, Which, I uh, just because he with the title like that, you're probably going to assume this is some nonsense. You exactly, know? the title and, is know, outlandish. It is, and uh, in fact, I don't think we get uh, an utterance of the title of our film maybe once, and then it gets echoed later. Pretty much, yeah. It, uh, nobody ever says it out loud. Other than that one time, and then hearing it in the other in the in the voiceover uh, part, it's actually used derogatorily in the film. He doesn't. Uh, it's an insult when it's said, yeah. and uh, he doesn't go around going, "Hey, everybody, I'm Blackula." Nope. <laughs> Everyone calls him Mamu all day. 
Because that's uh, his name. That's the it, dignity that, that, that he brought to this. Yeah, he's a. It's so funny. He's a prince. Uh, from what we learn, is 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 later a part of Africa. But he sounds like a 1960s news reporter with a dope ass deep voice. <laughs> yeah, he's really crogguiding it. He really is. He has a man, just a commanding, just f- fantastic voice. He's, uh, he's Walter Cronkbite. <laughs> this isn't the bloody I'll, bits, horse. I'll let myself out. <laughs> Tim would have loved that. He would have ate that up. I loved it, honestly, to be to be honest. <laughs> but uh, but the business that he's here on is really interesting. Um, we're dealing with some heavy issues here because we he are. he he's discussing with Dracula. Uh, creating an alliance of sorts to end slavery. Yep. Seize the slave trade, as as he calls to, it, from the to with put the a stop commu- to the to the global slave trade of Africans. Yeah, he calls uh, that he's he's reaching out to the community of nations, which I guess is what you would I, basically Europe. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I suppose in this year, in this universe, in this uh, in this establishment that uh, that Count Dracula is uh, has some political power in this world. Yep. Which kind of makes sense. Honestly, don't see that a lot. Usually, yeah. Count Dracula is just some kind of dude that nobody's he's chilling fucks in with. his castle doing his thing. Wait, here, he's Doctor Doom. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes like, sense. He, that he, he runs would want Transylvania. Power. Yeah, yeah. I think it's easier to manipulate things to get him. You know, I think being able to have a hand in what goes on makes it probably easier to be a blood sucking son of a bitch evil person. Um, Certainly, because let's face it. There's plenty of people in power that are pretty much the same. They're just not actually sucking blood. I mean, I got to say that that might have been some of the messagery here, a little bit of the meta aspect of this. It's, uh, you know who's really the blood suckers in this world? Yeah, exactly. These, uh, these rich-ass one-presenters running nations. Yep. But uh, not only does he say, uh, well, you know, he presents that I, I want to work together to, to put an end to the slave trade. And he's basically like, uh, well, no. And, uh, yeah. and furthermore, I want to buy your wife. Talk about a fucking turnaround. I was just like, they're being so cordial at first. Like they're getting know. along great. I mean, they bring out this dope-ass piece of paper for Dracula to sign, and he just goes and shows his super racist cunt colors. And, Holy uh, shit, does it turn. Offering, <laughs> lo- he even makes it seem like, oh, it's a compliment that I would... Oh want yeah, to purchase. You should be proud that I want to buy your wife off of you. Oh my god! And so of course, like, what a son of a bitch this guy. Mama Walde is fucking fed up with this shit. You know he he stands up. He's like, you're acting like some kind of animal. And he's six feet. He's six foot five, y'all. This guy yeah. is a ama- like he stands up and it's like, please beat Whoa. the shit out of Dracula, please. You cheered for him immediately. You are, right <laughs> like, away. Oh, oh, you fucked with the wrong guy, Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking fuck him. It would have been like, funny if he just killed Dracula and it was the end of the movie. It's like, oh, just, right, just puts a boot right in his face. <laughs> but no, Dracula sends his minions over him. And... Of course. He, he puts up a good guards. fight. I mean, he and fights not... three guys. He does, and you you immediately get like his prowess. Oh, You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, even as a human being, he was Mama Walde was no pushover. Uh, intimidating for sure, but this is a line I wrote down too. When uh, Mama Walde says that he's acting like an animal, you know, pawing That's at his right. wife and wanting to buy her, he Dracula says, "Need I remind you, it is you who come from the jungle." Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" That was some. <laughs> whew, 
That was some shit right there. I that's why I was figuring like, oh shit, we're about to have a battle first thing in this movie, cold open. We haven't even had Absolutely. opening credits yet. But you're like leaning forward on the couch now. Yeah, oh, okay. Like, like, All right, Blackula, I didn't see this coming. We're talking right. some fucking mad trash here. This is a fight. Yeah, it was it was amazing uh, to just see that happen. I was like, what the you're oh, right. Yeah. I didn't expect it either. Because, like I said, you're never like, seen this movie like, oh, before. Oh, shit, fellas, we got a movie. We got a fucking movie. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, especially if you're going into it expecting something farcical. Yes. Yeah, it was, there were some, some serious uh, subjects going on in here and some deep shit for a freaking vampire movie. Oh, yeah. But uh, so the guards, uh, the guards KO uh, Mama Walde. He's just, he, he can't take that many people at once. He's just a man. They get him with a vase. Um, <laughs> yeah, just smash a vase over his head like an old bar fight. Uh, like, you know, like an old western. And, um, and you know, Luva attempts to get involved and help out, but uh, the Brides of Dracula appear. Yeah. What do you th- well, so, what's, so, your, uh, what's your opinion on the, uh, the, makeup, ar- uh, the, the makeup artist for, for the vampires, for the Brides? Uh, for, mostly for most of the vampires, they kind of go with like a green motif <laughs> it's interesting it kind of it kind of reminded me of uh dawn of the dead with the zombies you're right uh like, it, you're just gonna just slap some color out of that isn't a normal human color and we're good to go <laughs> you're Here's right thanks your and it does give me that it's kind of that impression of that if you're not a master vampire that you are kind of zombie-esque in a way and just listen to very loose uh you know yeah. you, you kind of loosely are commanded to do certain things but you're kind of a just Zombie, basically. It kind of reminds me of that. You do kind of see the the hierarchy of vampirism. Like if you're uh, if you're closer to the top, you uh, you have a very different transformation that you do, as we'll see with Mama Walde himself when he becomes a vampire. Yeah. Uh, because when he when he cuts loose as a vampire, like he doesn't turn green. He <laughs> like, does not. He has some interesting changes that happen to him, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah, and uh, it, it, so he, I thought he was gonna make Luva. On one of his brides, but man, she but gets no. maybe the worst ending. Oh god, that's cold as ice. What he does to Luva. So what happens is, you know, while Luva's getting hauled off, um, Dracula uh, bites Prince Mamawalde. Yeah, you know the guards hold him. He runs in. He gives him. He gives him the bite and says, "You're gonna pay, Black Prince." And uh, I wasn't ready for white supremacist vampire Dracula. <laughs> I was not ready either. I did not even know it was gonna go that that way. I was like, "Holy shit." I thought I was just going to get to see a freaking black de- badass dude as a vampire just whooping ass. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, this is a tragic story. Like, holy shit. In which I shouldn't have been surprised. Most vampire tales are incredibly tragic. And oh, I, yeah. I think this definitely carries that same line. It kind of goes along that same line for sure. And those are always kind of the best villains, right? Where you, you feel for them. You have yeah, sympathy and you, you kind do. of understand why it, why it went here. Why, why he ended up where he's at. Yeah. Um, and uh, so what happens is uh, is the Count, uh, he places a curse on him, basically. You know, he, uh, he, he tells him he's going to curse him with his name. Henceforth, you will live forever and be known as Blackula. And he uh, locks him in a coffin in his own tomb. Yeah. Uh, now think about that, though. Like, he first curses him with vampirism and then locks him in a box where he can't feed the ultimate so, torture, dude. Like you're just... gonna live forever and be just racked with hunger for that entire eternity. 
Uh, oh, by the way, I'm locking your wife in the tomb. Yep. So she, you'll, you'll know that she's just outside this box you can't escape, starving to death. She screams no, and he tells her, you will watch, helpless and dying, until the black flesh rots from your bones. Ugh. Listen for and... his cries. That is some fucking dark, horrible shit to yeah. tell anybody. Like, oh my <laughs> god. I, I'm telling you, dude, I was like thrown off with this cult. Like, I was just like, what the fuck is going God, I, I want some good music. I'm just listening to Theremin, and it's all scary. And, I was like, and you know what, though? You get your wish. You did. I do get my wish. Uh, yeah, the king of cartoons puts a word into Jombie. And uh, because uh, you're like, man, I could use a little palate cleanse and hit the music. You're like, bam, here we go, baby. And then, and then suddenly you get the You're like, oh, okay. We're. It's, now we're getting somewhere. Hell yeah. As soon as I started kind of like bobbing my head a little bit, I was like, all right, cool. Let me shake off that, that horrible <laughs> intro, which it's a great oh, yeah. intro, but it's just hard to watch. Like, damn, man, that's yeah. rough. And that's where that great soundtrack comes in to kind of go, it's okay. it's going to be all right. <laughs> we're going to be okay. <laughs> like the, and that soundtrack is pretty great. I uh, I ordered the vinyl, of course. Of course. I, I was thinking the same. Well, I was either going to order that vinyl or I was going to order some music from the, um, uh, what's it called? The Hughes Corporation. The, oh, yeah. the band that uh, that we do see pretty soon in this movie, so I might and get I think both. Their their music, I believe, is on the the official uh, Blackula release. Woo! It's That's good not just stuff. the score; it's a mix of the score and the the Hughes Corporation. But uh, but the first bit of dialogue we get once we flash forward to nineteen seventy two is pretty great because a uh, a fabulously gay man with a big afro goes Dracula. <laughs> Yeah, we get some, and you're like, uh, and it jolts you suddenly because you've just had your heart torn out, and then you're hearing some groovy music, and then this dude just yells Dracula. At yeah, you. and he's got he's got the best fro in the entire movie. This, it, he looks like a space ball. It's like, it's like it's, it's so round. It is fantastic. He they're all like all three of the gentlemen in this scene are impeccably dressed. There, I thought they were all three gay, but the other guy's British or something. So you, you yeah, know. the the old British guy is just sort of the the guy who handles the estate. That yeah. they're uh, picking through, and who these guys are are uh, Billy and Bobby. Billy and Bobby, and uh, they're uh, I, I partners. Don't think they're put... partners. They're partners. They're both yeah. business partners and life partners. And life partners. And uh, they're a couple of interior decorators who I guess go around buying up uh, expensive furniture from estate sales. They're doing pretty and, fucking good, by the I way. Mean, if they're at a castle, <laughs> they're if they're if they're flying out to uh, Romania. To pick through Dracula's castle so they can flip that shit back in L.A. in their warehouse. That's amazing. <laughs> like, they're just running, like, a furniture store in Los Angeles, and they're getting Dracula's old couch. I want that reality show. <laughs> the travel <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Just these two, these two fiery gay guys, like, going around <laughs> through all these old Europe castles. Just wearing the dopest suits, just picking out some antiquities. and Like, that. I, that's oh, yeah. my kind of shit right there. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, the, the first guy, he looks like uh, – I get their names mixed up. I, I want to uh, say it's Bobby. Bobby the, has the, the fro. And he looks like uh, Eddie Gordo's alternate costume in Tekken 2. He, he does. <laughs> he does. He does. He's got the big open shirt and the big round fro. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in so long. That was like a rush to my back <laughs> of my brain, dude. What a deep cut that Oof. ended up being. Uh, and Billy looks like spot-on Kato Kalen. He does. He does. <laughs> Good old Billy. What a couple. What a couple. Gotta love them. And uh, they find out, we find out that Van Helsing was successful. Over 150 years ago, he did kill Dracula. And they're like, that's just, that's just legend. That's not even true. And the guy's like, 
No, it's true. This guy was a real person. This actually yeah. happened. This was no bullshit, dude. Uh, yeah. But uh, and they're like, okay, cool then. Why don't you uh, knock fifteen percent off your asking price, and we'll just take everything. It's <laughs> a hell because because uh, he says out loud, and which you probably shouldn't say until you get back home, that uh, because of the connection to the Dracula story, which they believe to be quote the creme de la creme of camp. Yeah. Uh, he says basically, we're gonna make a fortune off this shit back in L.A. Yeah. Oh. If this is all Dracula's actual stuff. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you're right. Probably don't say that right there. Not a good way when to make a deal. When you're lowballing the guy, trying to get him to take the price <laughs> the down, comic. being like, we're going to be millionaires off this. <laughs> going to make so much off of this evil what vampire blood-sucking furniture. Yeah. Who who knows and, how many uh, people died on this couch? <laughs> and after he after he agrees and signs the paperwork, they're like, hey, listen, this castle here, does it have any uh, secret passageways or anything we can look through? Yep. And immediately we cut to the tube from the from the prologue. Yeah, and and right away I'm like, "Where's Luva's skeleton? I mean, where, where did it go? Maybe they maybe every now and then they had a spring cleaning and they just you know, kind of scraped out the skeleton. <laughs> There's a carpet in the corner with a big bulge in the middle. <laughs> just like just roller in the corner. <laughs> I don't want anyone seeing that. Because, yeah, she's not there. But I think that was as we soon soon learned is to add a little mystery to the movie, but. They find the coffin. Do they decide to open it even though it's locked? They don't decide to open it at all. They're like, we'll take the coffin. Can you throw the coffin in on the on the deal? And the seller mm. agrees. So Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get rid of this padlocked coffin. I want no part of whatever's inside yep. this thing. And uh, we get some uh, solid B-roll of a giant cargo ship that's heading to Los Angeles. And uh, I'm wondering why they – I really am wondering why. I would have been like, can't we just open it? I just want to make sure there's not an actual dead body in this thing. Yeah, and... I'm, I don't want to transport a corpse, man. Let's... <laughs> it just doesn't sound like good karma to me. And I'm not even a karma person. I just don't feel like it would be a good idea. So then all of a sudden, uh, Billy – they're at the warehouse where they have all the stuff, all the ship, all the stuff that they shipped over. They're going through it. Billy cuts his arm. And uh, yeah, he's got like a crowbar that he's working on a crate with and it slips and he just gashes his arm open. And you're right away getting the vibe. This is how it's going to begin, baby. Yeah. We're just, oh, boy. You know where this is yeah, going. You just hear a drum roll. You're just like, where's he at? Where's he at? <laughs> Bobby opens the coffin. He pops it open. And while he's trying to wrap up uh, Billy's, you know, wound, we see, uh, you know, we see our count rising from his coffin. They don't... It's so classic. He just sits up. It's so good. Like, how do you not notice a guy who's six foot five dressed in a tuxedo? Like, you know, maybe it's his his, you know, vampire powers. I don't know, but they do not see him <laughs> until like, it's too. It does late. not occur to them. It does not. And uh, he's like, obviously, kind of in this ultimate thirst mode. He's he's kind of. He's kind of feral when he comes out of the yeah, coffin. Beast-like. Uh, and this is where we see that transformation, because uh, the transformation for Blackula, when he goes full vampire, is that he gets bushy eyebrows and big old sideburns. Yes, it's, uh, it's quite a showing, I gotta admit. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I was I was looking, I was like, wait, what's going on here? It looks a little different. I was like, is he gonna get... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it is like the his, 70s. His, he... His little mustache, his like his nicely cropped one, just turns into this big old like Lemmy from Motorhead situation. Hell yeah, hell yeah! And he get, yeah, he gets the sideburns. It's it's really good shit. I, I had a good time with it. But yeah, he sees the blood running down the arm, and he just goes right for it. Yeah, bites his arm. Billy's down, 
And you know what? I got Bobby. Bobby's the one getting. uh... No, yeah, I'm sorry, I got it mixed up. See, I told you that was. Yeah, Bobby's the one. Yeah, Billy's the one that gets bit on the arm. Bobby goes and grabs a two by four and tries to come at him like hacksaw Jim Duggan. (laughs) And I got to give him props. He could have ran. He could have, but obviously there's some real love. Yeah, he's not going to leave his man hanging like that. Uh, he came back to fight. Uh, I, I, I would have. It would have been a coin toss for me, depending on how long me and Billy were. <laughs> I would have been like, uh, yeah. do I want to live and hold on to all this awesome stuff that's worth a lot, or do I want to fight for him? Well, Bobby <laughs> fights for him. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Billy. <laughs> You're running down. The I'll street. see you in the afterlife. <laughs> but yeah, it's not what happens. Uh, you know, Bobby gets uh, knocked the fuck out. And gets bit on the neck. And uh, then all of a sudden we see uh, – we hear this the voiceover of Dracula like, too after that. We we get reminded of yeah. like you will be known as Blackula. Well, meanwhile, he's changing back into Mama Walde. You know, his sideburns have disappeared now that he's drank a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it takes the edge off. You just get a drink in you. He's like, ah, um, better. It feels good to be back. And he, he, he throws his cape on. He like hits a pose. I know. I love that. He's like, and then he just laughs and gets back at the coffin. It's so hilarious. Yeah, he puts on the he puts on the cape like now my transformation's complete. Gets in the coffin. And it just does a jaunty laugh. He's like, ah. <laughs> then just sits back, lays back down, and closes the lid. I'm like, this could have been the credits for me. I was, I was fine with it. I was like, this movie's five out of five, right there. From there, we head to the tiniest funeral home I've ever seen, or the tiniest funeral viewing room I've ever seen. Um, they've put this poor Bobby into the tiniest, like, it's like a, <laughs> a five-by-seven space. It's like uh, when you watched old, like, pro wrestling in the 80s, this was that little area off to the side of in the studio where the guy would cut the promo after his match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a curtain and just a dude standing there with a microphone for you. You know, mean Gene Okerlund standing there. Like, why, don't you, why don't you tell me about this funeral coming up on Sunday? Bobby's there in the coffin, and he's definitely... It's turning. He, he moves his arm a little bit, and we get some family that come in to visit him. And one of them looks like they're cosplaying as as Raven. From... <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, yeah, that outfit's killer. It's a yeah. I was like, holy shit! Uh, was that was that something people wore? Because fuck yeah. Well, I mean, you, you saw how Mama Wilde's dressed. That's true. <laughs> And Bobby and Billy, like, the 70s were a time, man. Everyone was experimenting. I, Everyone was trying to figure it out. I miss it, man. I wish I wish people could just wear whatever they want, you know, look like a Van Helsing out there. Why not, right? Hey, I'll tell you right now, I'm currently in a cloak <laughs> while I record this. I came prepared. I look like Count Chocula. Ah, <laughs> oh, I could go for some cereal, actually. I, I have the munchies, dude. I'm going to have to get you a bowl of booberry for the rest of this. Oh, yeah. And, uh... You, know, you seem like a booberry kind of guy. I am a booberry kind of guy, actually. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, you booberries, and if, if it's not in season, give me them crunch berries, baby. Hell yeah. But yeah, this uh, this group of friends are Tina, Michelle, and Dr. Tom. Dr. Tom. Honestly, one of my favorite characters in the movie. Uh, oh, he's great. He's, he's a great counterpoint to, to Mama Walde. It is. Uh, and okay, he's much more... He's He's very calculated and he's kind of the driver of this entire movie he's piloting this whole thing we're kind of watching his journey for the most part after mm-hmm. this part and um they, we find out the body has not been exhumed uh so or not exhumed embalmed and yeah, uh, it was by by request of his family which kind of works out for bobby because uh 
he's a vampire now, and it's just a matter of time before he finds his way out. And uh, and I think uh, I, I call her Raven at this point because we don't know her name. <laughs> and it basically she looks a lot like Luva. Who, yeah. And I'm confused at this point, bro. I was like, wait, is she a descendant? Did she live? I like yeah. that. I like the mystery of it at first. Absolutely. And, you know, this kind of takes me back to, uh, I, I mentioned before, with Candyman, uh, where, uh, you know, you flash forward a couple hundred years and he sees a woman who looks like the woman he was in love with and he gets obsessed with her. Exactly. It's his... I'm just saying there's a lot of there's a lot of connections between Candyman and Yeah, Blackie. I didn't even connect that at first, but yes, there definitely is. Uh, somebody saw this movie. Yeah, no kidding. And uh... <laughs> and I think both guys are like six five. So, like it's... <laughs> it, it, but you, I think it's it's it makes sense, you know, story wise because you are going to try to connect to the closest thing that you remember if you literally woke up and you're in a whole new time period and you have no idea what's going on. Oh yeah, and lucky for him. He ends up going to the funeral. Uh, why he's even there, I don't know. I don't know if he went to go see yeah, if Bobby like, was still alive. Did they? Did they? Did they do his viewing in the warehouse? Exactly. <laughs> Let's put him amongst all the all his favorite things that he just. He would have wanted it that way. Yeah, he would have wanted. Well, it's kind of like I don't know if you heard about those funerals where they put the people. They just kind of embalmed them in a position of something they really love. Like if you're a DJ, they embalm you and they st- have you standing and you're DJing. Or you're on a motorcycle, if you're oh, like in Psychomania. Yeah, now that's a thing. He got buried sitting on his bike. Yeah, I think on. Uh, and that's that's incredible. Yeah, you can look. I'm going to be stuck like podcasting in my grave. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically for the viewing, they would have you with headphones, and then like they would probably make a replica of Mike, like he's in a different room. <laughs> <laughs> it just they tape a picture of him on the fake laptop that's in front of you. They just make a little piñata of Mike, and then after your funeral, everyone hits it and condoms come out. I like that. That's kind of that's a grinding funeral if I've ever heard. Man, tell you, tell you one thing, my ghost is sticking around a little longer for that one. <laughs> just watch the Mike piñata just get the hit shit out. Of it. Then I'm like, okay, I'm good now. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and descend to hell now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Going down, sir. <laughs> but yeah, so. Y'all need to look that up if y'all ever if y'all have ever heard of that. If you've never heard of it, look that up. That's that's some that's amazing incredible. stuff. Yes, but yeah, but yeah, oh, uh, our guy Blackula like spots Tina in her Raven costume, and he's doing the eye emojis. He's like, "Whoa, shit!" And she's like, "Wait a minute now, <laughs> Luva, she lives." Yeah, he's happy, and the damn funeral home guy places his hand on Doctor Thomas for like ten seconds before mentioning that it's him. I'm like, sir, please announce yourself before you touch my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, come on, Swenson. <laughs> Swenson, that's his name. Yeah, uh, I don't think I ever caught his name, but I think it was said a couple of times. It comes up later yeah. when he when he has to call him. Yeah, he, he's like, get Swenson out of the way. I'm like, who? who? Oh, oh, that guy. <laughs> that All guy. right. Oh, that that grabby mortician. Okay, <laughs> classic. And uh, the doc is there to investigate. He is from. Uh, he's a from the scientific investigation unit i think he's like a police pathologist yeah i think he's there to kind of figure out it's a position that doesn't exist i don't think i don't know maybe it's a different <laughs> name now but he's part of the vampire squad yeah he's he's, a vamp- he's here to check bite marks <laughs> and uh, the doc is is there to investigate bobby and see how he died and he realizes hey 
Like, by the way, great mustache on this on on good old uh, Thalmus. Thalmus. I, I don't uh, on on Doctor Tom. Yeah, on Doctor Tom. His his real name is Thalmus. I think I might be saying it incredibly wrong, and I apologize if I'm if I'm way <laughs> off. But yeah, he's there to investigate, and he sees that basically the blood is all empty, the veins are not sitting up on the skin. This guy has been just drained, and the the guy at the funeral home, he's like, hey. Or was it Stilton? What'd you say? Stilton? Swinton. Stilton. Swinton is like, oh, I think a rat bit him. I don't know if a rat's going to do all that damage, man. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty gnarly bite for a rat. Yeah. And uh, so it, things are getting suspicious around here. And after he's also pointing out, he's like, "This guy's got no blood in him." Yeah, this... you know, it's like it's like when I took my car in to get the oil changed. I'm like, dude, there's no oil left in this mm-hmm. thing. Am I the only one who does that? <laughs> Drive around until the engine clangs. They go, hey, can you put some wet stuff in here? No, you are definitely not the only one that does that. There's a reason there's so many freaking businesses that do this. <laughs> like so many of those fucking places where you just drive in so you can get the oil change. Yeah, the car will tell you when it needs something. Yeah, it's like, hey, help me. It will stop working. Help me. I need oil. Yeah. yeah, oil can. Oil can. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Thomas leaves without saying goodbye. And uh, uh, the funeral guy, I'm just going to keep calling him funeral home guy. He, I like it. He is 100% salty about it. Uh, he is not happy with it. <laughs> yeah, it's great because he's so, anything for you, sir, I'm just happy to help with the police. And the second, it's like he walks out, he drops an end bomb. Yeah, he says an end bomb. He's like, you don't know that how to act. That was the rudest N-word I've ever met. <laughs> yes, he's like guy's an asshole so uh uh you know not luva is with uh with michelle and they're leaving the funeral home and i think luva decides she's gonna or not luva decides she's gonna take yeah, off tina yeah tina as we find out yeah she's just like hey i'm gonna walk the rest of the way by myself you know just a just a pretty lady by herself in the middle of the night in los angeles Come. just gonna walk home a few blocks and it is dark out there and i think this is before they decided to pop in some more street lights they were trying to keep yep. the electricity bills low the city cause... just gonna wear a fabulous purple cape yeah just gonna look <laughs> just really draw attention to myself while i walk alone at night she hears a couple of things she starts running and she eventually runs into our man and he's like hey what's up luva <laughs> He's like, it's me. Long time no see. I'm back. <laughs> and she just takes off running. Which, which makes a lot of sense. I think I, I would do something very similar if uh, this sure. Vato came up to me with a cape on. He was like, I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to try that. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show up in Texas sometime. Be like, Daniel, it's me. <laughs> like, Holy shit. <laughs> Blah. But, uh, you know, she takes off running, and he gives chase, and this is great. He gets plowed by a cab. He does. She drops her just, purse at just, some point. He grabs her purse. Yeah. Then he gets plowed by that cab, and the cabbie it's is the It's a real Cinderella moment where he picks it up, and he's like, but wait. <laughs> but wait. I, I, I've hardly got and to know And then just you. gets, like, meet Joe Black. So right good. Oh, boom. God. Yeah, I haven't even thought about that scene in so long. Just, just pops him up into the air. He takes the hit pretty well. He pops right back up, and she starts giving. It's so funny, like, running over someone, and you leave your, your vehicle and say, what the fuck is wrong with you, you piece of shit? I don't want to know if you're oh, okay. I love it. She says to him, uh, you know, Chase and Dale can get you killed, man. <laughs> you horny bastard. This is how you die. <laughs> and he says back to her, I lost her, you imbecile. And she's like, who the hell are you calling an imbecile? She takes that very personal. <laughs> oh, I love he it. He turns and he starts becoming, he starts becoming 
you know, that the, the vampire, the hair's growing and everything. And she right away starts taking a little bit of a turn. She's like, well, oh, you yeah. know, she I She starts get it. laughing nervously like, yeah. hey, you know what? She might be. A, I hope you find She her. actually looks <laughs> under the cap. She might be around here somewhere. She's like looking around. I, I bet if you go right now, you can still catch up to Yeah. Her. <laughs> uh, it does not work out for her. She gets bit no. in the middle of the street of Los Angeles. Luckily, hopefully it was late, I guess, because nobody saw and uh, then that's so Raven gets to her apartment. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, she remembers that she she's like, oh, shit, I dropped my purse like crap. And then someone knocks on the door like the damn cops are there. And no, it's Michelle. She's, she's obviously scared when that door. Knocks. Hell yeah. yeah it, it's her best friend, at least. Yeah, at least I'm, I, I would. I mean, not none of my all my friends know. Don't be knocking on my door like you're the damn cops. Well, sure. You know. Well, it's not. It's not the early '70s though. They can. They can text you. <laughs> you know, like back then, you just had to go over to your friend's house. But do you have you ever had a friend that to this day like will just come over? No, I mean I have in the past, but it's been years yeah. you know, since I had a friend who'll just show up. Yeah, it's pretty rare now. I had a friend that used to do that, and um, I've never had to break up with a friend, but that one I did. You got to talk to that friend if that starts happening. You're like, that's a bit much. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. They're talking, and right away, Michelle's, like, just checking on her and wondering what's going on. Dr. Thomas goes to the police precinct, and he meets up with the coroner, who, by the way, is quite a character. Uh, <laughs> Sam, I believe, is Davis. Yeah. with his, He has, like, a hook hand? Yes, he has a hook hand for no fucking reason. doesn't really come into play. It's just a fun bit. And to be clear, that actor doesn't. They just get. They just, I wonder if he just showed up on set with a hook hand. Hey, can I use this? Like, oh, I did, this character needs something. <laughs> you know, ever since uh, ever since uh, Marshall took over the script and started like giving himself some backstory, like everyone else in the cast are trying to do it too. By the way, Bobby, getting more and more like Candyman is this? <laughs> We're talking about it now. We got a hook it's hand. It's really, it's really crazy. Think about it. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait till we get to the bees. I know. <laughs> That would have been hilarious if all of a sudden she goes into a be- some kind of like weird like fucking you know, honey like, factory. <laughs> oh god! Or, or you know, like Dracula can dissipate into like a mist sometimes. Well, instead, it's bees in this movie. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my! I did. That was that would be amazing. So he wants to take a look at Juanita Jones's body. That is the cabbie that got bit, and the coroner says some bullshit about. If you ask me, she was looking for something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we start getting into uh, this. Is it, they take a minute in this movie to talk about the way uh, the police and the coroners and everything. Uh, they get real loosey goosey when the uh, when the victim is a person of color. Yes. Yeah. Like they just don't give a shit. He says this to Doctor. He says this to Doctor Thomas. Uh, for the all of y'all that have not seen the movie, he is African American. So he looks at Sam and says, "Go get me a fucking coffee, you piece of shit." <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna be this useless. Yeah, and he's like, "All right, I get it, I get." It. <laughs> so he goes to get him a coffee, and the doc sees the bite wounds, and uh, then he does kind of a fun childlike laugh. And uh, next scene, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> <laughs> and he says this is I think it's supposed to show like he he's not sure if he's losing his mind because he's connecting these dots and he's like this is something outward outworldly or paranormal or something because yeah. he's noticing like he it. definitely knows some, there's something strange in the neighborhood Yeah, he's following this thread uh, the doc goes to speak to uh, we meet Lieutenant Peters uh, who is the most maybe the most useless character in the movie who I'm very bummed out that lives through the whole thing. Yeah, that's wild. When you meet him, you're like, "Oh, this is this is Lieutenant Cannon Fodder." Exactly. 
oh, like well, we're just gonna watch this drunk lieutenant die like in about fifteen minutes. And no, he's like sort of. Uh, and I will give him credit. I mean, he does. He does. Um, it seems like him and Doc and the Doc have been working together for a while. So they definitely yeah. have some prior working relationship because they're a little loosey goosey with how they treat each other. <laughs> and there's a comfort there that you don't normally see in a professional. Setting. Exactly. Uh, they're not necessarily always going by the book and they're not always speaking by the book. So obviously they have some sort of so, some sort of business relationship. So apparently the paperwork got lost uh, when both Bobby and Billy's paperwork got lost um, because the L.A. County cops are garbage. I don't know. They just. Yeah, it's kind of when he gets that. He starts talking about that. And, he, and he, he implies it's, you know, you're dealing with a victim who is not white. So, of course, you didn't care. And the guy tries to go like, hey, one of those guys was white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you start using that as a fucking way to, to make up for the the, yeah. the fact that you're. <laughs> now, hold on there, fella. We're shitty to the white guys, too. <laughs> Do you see how crappy we are? Like, wow. Hey, we're bad all around, okay? This isn't a racism thing. It's incompetent. Then I like, oh, good. I like how from there that he's like, well, you think this might be an organized crime thing? You know, the Panthers uh, been murdering people left and right. And the doc is like, you piece of shit, idiot. And he do- the, the doc does yeah. throw out the other F word, by the way. But yeah. but he does try to say that these are not Panthers. Uh, the, this is something different that's going on here. And they're going back and forth, and he tells he tells the lieutenant, well, send me those papers, send me the reports. I'm going to be at – I love this, by the way. I I wish I could tell my boss this. I'm going to be at the club later tonight. Just have them send the paperwork over to me. Have them bring it there. <laughs> have them bring it to the club. I'll be celebrating my chick's birthday. <laughs> it's Michelle's Just birthday. Just give it to the bartender. I'll catch it when I'm getting my next round. <laughs> I love I love how the movie really short shoehorned in. We got to get to the club as soon yeah, as possible. We 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 got we got this band that needs to do a couple numbers. We need a reason. Yeah. So if anyone has felt you know anyone in the theater at the point in the nineteen in nineteen seventy two has fallen asleep, maybe they got bored from all the dialogue. It's time to wake up now, baby, because we have the Hughes Corporation played, and holy shit, they give like an entire oh, performance. Yes. It's amazing that the band is cooking Woo. at this club, and it's a packed house, and we get like a full song, like you do in the seventies. Um, and then we see uh, we see Prince Mama Walde walk in the front door, kind of look around, and go like, "All right." He's like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" He, he's real pleased with what he's seeing here. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know how he knew. I, it could be a connection thing. They could always use the. He just keeps showing up for the next scene. It's like they, we never get an explanation on how Mama Walde keeps being in the right place all the time. It, it is kind of amazing. I I was only kind of my only back of my mind was like, okay, he has this immediate special connection to to Tina, so maybe that's what's making him be able to know where she might be and stuff. But he's a gentleman. He brings back her purse, and. He's he's the one of the first things he says to her that we hear because he does kind of talk to her while the music's playing. And we're not really sure what he's saying, but she invites him over to the table with Dr. Yeah. Thomas and Michelle. 
And he says, you bear an amazing resemblance to my wife. That is not cringy at all. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that? He's like, hey, hi, everybody. I'm Mama Waldy. Let's have a champagne. Uh, let, hey, I didn't mean to scare you. It's just you look like my dead wife. <laughs> and, I... <laughs> and, he, and, and he says, enough about death. Here's to life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a cheers. And also, he uses the excuse that she looks like his dead wife. For the reason why, why he I was followed stalking her. You. Yes, I'm like, it's still... Like, in, in the dark <laughs> in, at night. With a cape on. I know that's creepy, but uh, that's why I stalk yeah. you. Yeah, you're so beautiful that I just couldn't help but stalk you. That does not work, no. But yes, they do They do cheers. He brings in some champagne. The The, the cops go to, to get Bobby's body, by the way. And of course it's gone. We knew that he was turning uh, when we first saw him at the funeral home. When we saw the hand move. Yeah. yeah. We get a second song from the Hughes Corporation, which is just... Always happy just for Just in it. case you're not fully awake yet. Here we go. Let's keep going, baby. Uh, the funeral home guy calls Dr. Thomas, and he's freaking the hell out because uh, the body's not there. Can you imagine, like, a body has gone... You're the funeral home guy, yeah, right, hey. Daniel? Uh, you're... The body has gone missing, and you have to call Dr. Tom from the police. <laughs> And uh, and tell him that, but he's at a club, and so he's got like one finger in his other ear, going what? what, what? I can't hear you over the band. The body's gone. <laughs> and he's just like, oh shit, this is pretty heavy, man. This isn't the right place for me to receive this information. I have I have actually had some whiskey in me where somebody, like one of my friends, calls me. Maybe they had they had like a breakup or something, and I'm like, guy. You're bringing on a lot of heaviness right now, and I am far too drunk to be able to take this on. I'm so sorry. Yeah, can we do this tomorrow? Because I'm kind of in party mode right now. This is not. You know what? For you, I'll stop drinking now, drink a bunch of water. Hey, tomorrow, 10 a.m., come on over, buddy. We'll talk it out. I will sober up for that one, pal, because I am not prepared to receive this information. (laughs) You're crying right now, and I don't know what to do. I'm just trying my best. So the the doc goes over to the, back to the table and he lets Michelle, Tina, and Mama Walde know uh, what happened. And Mama Walde uh, makes the comment that maybe he wasn't dead. I mean, this guy's like a serial killer <laughs> who's way too confident. Like he's like like care. so far, if you're at that table, like, hey, I'm sorry I creeped you out the other night. You look like my dead <laughs> wife, so I started following you in the shadows. And then like, oh, your friend's body went missing. Maybe he came back to life. <laughs> Hey, can I have a ride home? No shit. I'm like, what the hell? And I just don't get why he would say that out loud. Uh, We meet, by the way, everyone, this is where we meet my favorite character. My favorite character in the movie. I knew this would be your favorite guy. Skillet! (laughs) Our guy Skillet shows up, pours himself a champagne when he sits down. He's such a piece of shit. I love him so much. I love this guy. Oh, Skillet. He's so good. Like, I don't know why he's in this movie. I, I He must have been a friend of the director or something. They could have used anyone, but oh, yeah. they chose this Now, guy. did he talk to the staff on the way in? Because the second Skillet sits down, like, the waitstaff brings out a surprise cake. Yeah. I And, like, I don't, and a photographer pulls out a big camera. I think Skillet is, like, he's a regular by far. Maybe he has a little money into the place. You know, like, he's one of those guys, he's not the owner, but he knows the owner, and he has yeah. a little bit of an investment, so everyone knows And it's him. definitely clear that he's been trying to make something happen with Tina. Exactly. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a lover. Skillet's a lover. You know, he's not a fighter. He's, so, he's no. someone here to entertain people, but he's, that's why I'm thinking he might have a little bit of money, because everyone's kind of putting up with Skillet, 
even though most people seem not to like Skillet. <laughs> yeah, they all act like he's a bit much, and he is. He, he is a little bit much. Uh, kind of reminds me of somebody I know. Uh, me. So <laughs> <laughs> You were holding a hand mirror while you said that, right? <laughs> Surely I've seen that guy somewhere. Uh, 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 wink. And, uh, uh, I think Nancy is her name. She's the nightclub photographer. She comes in. Yes. She's wonderful, by the way. And she's she's snapping some photos and right away. And I love this though. When the when the flashbulbs start going off, uh, Mama Walde does the SpongeBob meme. <laughs> Which meme? Which what does he do? He he does he does a all right. I'm gonna head out. <laughs> <laughs> he like he just immediately stands up like well. <laughs> yeah, he acted like um, he had some 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 PTSD from cameras. Like he right away he's like well gotta go and I like that every time he's gonna leave he kind of lifts up his cape like it's like a you're kind of announcing to everybody else even if they're not looking at you like you know uh he was royalty you're right you know so like he does this like he's an important person and like if i stand up other people are going to with me exactly you know like he still has that in him even if he's not in that environment he still carries himself that way yes yeah it it makes a lot of sense that nobility and Tino goes running up to him. She's like, "Why? Why are you leaving? Like, what?" He's like, "Listen, I gotta go. I have a prior engagement. But hey, let's meet here tomorrow evening." She agrees, yeah. and right away we see like Tina is hooked. Like, she... oh yeah, and uh, he kisses her on the hand while he's saying that, and Nancy, the photographer, gets a, sneaks a photo of that moment. Yeah, and... uh, but I love that while they're having this conversation, we cut back to the table. And Skillet is like, "Now that is one strange dude. Who's that guy?" <laughs> Doctor Tom. He goes, "Oh, that's one strange dude." And uh, he's like, did you see them rags he had on? That was a bad cape. And he thinks about it and goes, I'd like to beat him out of that I cape. I know. It cracked me <laughs> up. I left. I rewinded it like three times because I couldn't believe that scene. I just could not stop laughing. And then the fact that Nancy comes back to the table and Skillet asks her, hey, how come you never look at me? The, you know, how come you never look at me that way? And she goes, there's a reason, Skillet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, everyone's like, you're a piece of shit, Skillet. Oh, right. I keep forgetting. Oh, it's so good. And then we find out how complicated photography was back then. The fo- <laughs> oh, it Nancy tells the table, okay, I'm done. She says, I'll just take these prints, run to the studio, develop the images, and head right back. Like, holy hell! <laughs> like-, <laughs> like, on the clock, you got to go home to your dark room <laughs> so you can hand them the photos you took of them. And uh, I love those Skillet's like, hey, you need some company? She's like, hell no. <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> I don't want you knowing where I live, Skillet. <laughs> what you knowing where I live? Yeah, Skillet is the guy. You don't ever want him to take you home. Like you, you. When he walks in, everyone picks up their drink. It's so good. It's like nope, nope. Gotta keep that in my head. Thank he you very much. I can't tell if he's a really good actor or if they just found a guy who perfectly just encompasses that person because he. Oh, they didn't cast him. Skillet actually hangs out. They were like, hey, just read these. You know what? Just come up to the table and be yourself. We're going to be shooting. (laughs) We'll let you know when to do it. Yeah, it seems so natural. It's fantastic. So then eventually uh, from here, I think we get to to her house. We get to Nancy's house. And she's developing the photos. She's drinking a Coors Banquet, which automatically, this needs to be on the grind bin. Y'all need to cover this movie. Um it's just disrespectful if you don't. <laughs> and uh, no, by by the way, I say that y'all because the Coors Banquet is the beer of the grind bin. Oh, of course, of yeah, course. I, some some might not know. I mention the grind bin all the time, but some might not know. 
Uh, and so she is my kind of woman, obviously. And uh, we get our guy. He's he's uh, coming through because she sees that he's missing from the images. So right away we know she's going to die. <laughs> and <laughs> arguably maybe the, one of the best kill scenes. Like pretty terrifying. Yeah. It's pretty red. Like she she hears a noise. She turns. She opens the thing, and he's floating toward her. It's cool. I don't know if he was on a roller. I don't know how they shot. He might be on some kind of. Because I don't think I don't think we see his feet off the ground. We just see that he's up kind of high and he's gliding. So we know he's flying at her. That's probably it. They just put him on like a skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) The idea. Sorry, the idea of him on a skateboard is fucking legendary. And he's just going, blah. They're just like <laughs> crouched real low and pushing his legs. But uh, it works. The visual, the visual of it is terrifying. And he, he attacks her, bites her neck. I guess she calls the cops or someone calls the cops because she comes out to the outside of her on her porch. Excuse me. And the cop comes running, uh, comes running up to see if she's okay. Yeah, it's weirdly quick. It is quick. That, that there's already a police officer Kind of gives me the vibe something was cut, you know, to, to bring to the cop in. And she but, uh, she plays that victim card and then just... Yeah, he rushes to her side to help her out because she started to collapse and she just digs right in. Yep. And by the way, this movie makes all cops look like absolute idiots, which is great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... Fortunately, uh, nobody would hold that opinion these days, but... yeah. They, uh, they're just respectable pillars of the community nowadays. But back in the seventies, everyone thought they were violent morons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh god, good old LA. You gotta love Los Angeles. And uh, honestly, and, uh, the cop that was supposed to take the reports to the doc never showed up. So freaking Doctor Thomas is pissed as hell. Of course. Uh, we get to uh, Lieutenant Peters uh, starts wondering what the hell is going on. He wonders why the hell anyone would want to steal the body from the funeral home. Yeah. He uses the other F word. Yeah, that was quite the uh, quite the moment there of just him. He thinks for a second, goes, who would want a dead F word? Yeah. Like, I'm like whoa. Wow. <laughs> Hello, 1972. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you're right. It was That's exactly what hit my head. I was like, holy shit. What the fuck was that? And because, the, but it's like a thing you have to come to terms with if you like older you movies, do. though, because it, it got used very freely, like a handful of other words we don't use anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, like my two favorite movies each have a character saying the 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 uh, derogatory f slur for a homosexual, and uh, that's a bummer. But it's just you kind of have to accept that. Yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, it was part of the lexicon, and honestly, was used. A long time after, unfortunately, uh, even after 1972. So, yeah, it's 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 actually what? What would you say? I don't know. In popular culture, fairly recent that now it is something that you just do not put into a movie. I mean, I overheard this morning somebody call uh, an inanimate an inanimate object gay. <laughs> you know, like so, like people are still. Just slinging, uh, you know, slurs and whatnot yeah. around, the connotating all those things, like as part of their lexicon. It's we're still not out of the woods on that shit yet. <sighs> well, yeah. though it was pretty funny that guy I saw though, because just as a quick aside, uh, it, you know that meme where the dude is like close talking the disinterested woman that people use. Yes, 
It was like that in real life. These two people waiting outside of a restaurant for breakfast. And uh, he's talking about like some car and uh, referred to the car as being like a gay ass 12 cylinder or something like that. Oh my God. And and this girl is just like staring into the sky while he talks. (laughs) I'm like, enjoy your brunch, lady. I'm so sorry you have to be there with that guy. It's unfortunate. Uh, It is unfortunate. I feel like that, you know, doing the dating apps and all that stuff. I do feel that there's got to be so many people that have been on dates with complete douchebags uh, that use that kind of language, and they must be, I'm trapped. I don't know what to do. Fuck. I just like, damn it. I have to ride this out for two more hours. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So basically, Dr. Thomas asked for permission. Well, not for permission. He asked for a permit to, to be able to exhume Billy's body. Yeah, he puts in a request officially to to exhume him, and the lieutenant says, "Hey, I'm going to give it a try." But then after, when the... he's like, "Do you know how much paperwork I have to do to dig up a grave?" <laughs> he's such a lazy cunt, dude. He's like, "Oh shit, man! You know that's actually work, right?" <laughs> I don't get to sit here and drink coffee. I have to actually fucking type shit. And but I, I kind of love this though because he calls back after he, he's like, "Hey, let me check on it." He calls back. He's like, "Yeah, we can't do that." It was one of the and, funniest uh... shits. It was the quickest turnaround I've ever seen. <laughs> It's like he hung up the phone, he went and grabbed a drink out of the fridge, and then came back and went, yeah, I asked, and nobody said I could. <laughs> uh, like, he did not actually ask. Um, but I love the immediate reaction, though, as uh, Dr. Tom hangs up the phone, just turns to Michelle, and was like, baby, we're doing some night digging. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I okay. I, was, I also love the fact that Dr. Thomas is so smooth, he just basically kind of kisses her and tells her how wonderful and amazing she is. And she's like, all right, I'll dig up a body with you. I'm like, that would not work for me. I'm not that cool. Like, I could not pull that off to convince somebody to let's go exhume a body. (laughs) Like, not going to (laughs) happen. Oh, man, you got to love that. And they're kind of they're actually kind of awesome as a couple. They're both scientists. I really like them. Like it's really uh, and uh, they respect each other. It's, it's couples' goals, if anything. Yeah, I like it a lot. Then after that part, I think we get we get our uh, our vampire arriving at Tina's place. Uh, Mama Waldeck yes. arrives at Tina's place, and he's acting like a complete weirdo. But she just lets him in because she's in love now. Uh, he's just so awkward and weird. I, it's very obvious that he is kind of in his own world there's some romantic music playing during this scene which makes it very confusing to me because i'm like okay is this okay we're kind of digging into a love story and this is yeah. where we get a whole background of, of basically where he's coming from he he tells her the whole story that they're part of the uh ibani, ibani tribe ibani tribe which is northeast of the niger delta yes and, uh, yeah, he lays out the whole prologue of the film to her. But I love that, like, he came in and he's like, here's the thing. You're my wife. And she's like, well, that's not possible. He's like, but you believe me. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, shit, I do. Yeah, because <laughs> like, even during his story, she never hesitates to interrupt right. him. Because, honestly, it, wouldn't it, you? <laughs> and I don't, know if this is a, I don't know if this is a vampire hypnosis thing. But You're she's right. like, this, this feels true. This feels right. Yes. And like, I feel this in my inside. I feel this in my soul that what you're telling me is true, that I am her. And I'm like, I don't know if he's, uh, if he's enchanting her. Yeah. Or if she just does feel that and goes, oh, shit, I might actually be uh, your wife reincarnated. You're right, because I actually do have that in my notes is I can't tell if she is under 
a slight mind control or if it's a little bit of both a little bit of the fact that she's in she's been living this life in la it's probably pretty regular and all of a sudden you have this like freaking dope ass dude that like is interested in you and you're interested in him and so you're going to kind of roll with it could be a little bit of both but it could it also could be something of fate where she is from some bloodline of part of of luva's bloodline and she just happens to look exactly like her because honestly i have seen other uh, my friends have taken photos of people that look just like me and it's insane to me i don't know i don't know about you if you ever have like, there's a guy that's a lawyer locally in san antonio and he fucking looks like me i'm like holy shit i could have been a lawyer making money Oh, yeah. I, I had a friend send me a picture. I had a friend who worked at a restaurant send me a picture like that he slyly took of one of the patrons sitting at a booth. Mm-hmm. And it was me. It's fucking weird. Bro. <laughs> and it was fucking crazy, man. It's like, I mean, you see people who look kind of like other people all the time. But when you see something that's real close, it's chilly. Yeah. You're like, what is this? What is happening? When you get at a doppelganger level, you start kind of questioning things. You're like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, it is. It is insane. Uh, but then. Uh, Tina does mention that she she does mention the fact that Count Dracula was a myth. She's like, that was all a myth. And Mama Walde mentions that he was very real and he wants Tina to rejoin him. And she says she can't at first. And she's like, basically just not feeling it. And he says, you must come to me freely with love or not at all. And I'll be gone forever from Cause, you. Because I... I will not take you by force, so I will leave and I will not return. But this is, oh man, the finesse. Uh, he turns right as he's leaving. And he gives me the most, like, emo shit I've ever the heard. The most. I made, I made this joke on my social media <laughs> that this is L.A. emo legend Blackula. Because he turns and says, I have lived again to lose you twice. And I'm like, God yeah, damn. Which I'm pretty sure is a My Chemical Romance lyric. <laughs> Oh, there's you cannot tell me there isn't somebody uh who's gotten that tattooed on like their wrist. <laughs> I've lived again to lose you twice. <laughs> so yeah. Uh but shit that that works though. It does. It honestly <laughs> cuz cuz she's like why don't you stay and they just embrace. And honestly y'all, I don't know if y'all know this. Bobby can sing pretty well. Like he probably could have sang that even better. <laughs> he could have sang that way better than I just did. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think I should give that an attempt right now. But, uh, <laughs> but thank you. I'm. I'm okay. Uh, no, no. I'm not making you, <laughs> you know, sing. And, and, and likewise, sir. Like one. Actually, that you know, that's a funny thing in this family of podcasts that we have is like, there's like maybe six or seven musicians. We could probably do a. We could probably put together a band or an album or something. It is really weird how many musicians are in our little podcast universe that we're all fr- like friends in. Yeah. The main hosts of the Grind Bin have all fronted bands. Yeah, and uh, so and weird. then you have as well. I don't know. I don't know where uh, where our bloody bits pals are coming from musically. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't think any of them have been in bands. But I can speak for the podcastio and for the Grindman that all of us have been musicians. Yeah, and a lot of the are like really loyal listeners. Lots of musicians there too. So yeah, there there could be some kind of super group forming at some. There's going to be. A, I, I envision one day there's some kind of compilation album that we all we all put out together. <laughs> just, we'll just pick our favorite movies we've covered and do songs about them. Oh fuck! I would love that so much. Oh man, imagine the blood sucking freak song. Oof. Oh yeah, I'm here for that shit. That'd be so good. Uh, so uh, after that, they they start making out and. 
I think from there they they pretty much they're decided we're gonna do yeah. this. I think I think he spends the night, and yeah. uh, but we cut to the graveyard. <laughs> Maybe one of the best scenes of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, and so we're we're doing some night digging. We're we're exhuming Billy. And uh, right when we finally get down to it, right when we get to Beetlejuice's coffin, uh, <laughs> he comes bursted up out of the grave. And I love this, though, because like kind of subverts what you expect from these moments, because he bursts up out of the grave and Dr. Tom beats his ass. <laughs> fucks him up, dude. Like, not, he never gets an offensive move in, I don't think. He does He's just like, I'm back and I'm a vampire. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just... Like, oh, he doesn't just, like, beat the crap out of him. He then just jams a stake in his heart. It's so rare that you ever see the element of surprise not work. But it does not work in <laughs> like this you, movie. Like, you got the drop on Dr. Tom, and it only made him angry. <laughs> he shovels him multiple times, then stabs him with a stake, and then shovels the stake into him, like, hammers it into his chest. And the whole time what makes this scene so good is Michelle is freaking the fuck out and is like he's alive he's still alive and you're fucking killing him like you're killing his ass yeah cause she uh obviously doesn't believe in vampires yeah and doesn't know what's going on so as far as she knows uh you just dug up a man who was still alive and then killed him yes but luckily their love is so strong it does not take too many sentences for him to convince Michelle that that was a vampire there's more vampires out there, and we need to fucking fix this situation because we are in trouble. And she's like, okay, I get it. By the way, I always have an issue getting past seeing the one person digging a six-foot grave perfectly rectangular. Like, it's always so neat. It is. I'm not sure if any of it all. I'm not saying I've dug bodies, but I have, I've had to dig some. I've had to dig a lot of holes. I've had to dig a dog, you know, bury a dog before, and I had to dig pretty deep. Y'all, it is fucking exhausting just to go three feet down. I can't imagine doing by myself. It would take like two hours or something by yourself. It is so much work. So it always makes me laugh when I see in movies where where one guy is (laughs) digging an entire fucking trench by himself. (laughs) Oh, my God. And he's barely sweating. Exactly. He looks fantastic as usual. Like he should be passed out in the hole at the end. Exactly. Like, I mean, there wasn't even Gatorade yet. I don't know. But (laughs) to like keep him going. But uh, anyway, from from there, uh, the doc calls Sam at the morgue, and he asks he asks about. It's so weird because he asks about, and I guess because the movie was trying to get us to realize that oh, Sam's not really the sharpest tool in the shed because he asks about Juanita Jones, and Sam kind of responds with, "What you think I have a bad memory? What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Sam, relax, dude. I'm just asking you. And he tells Sam to take her out of the freezer, you know, the morgue, uh, the, the freezer, and place her in the room so she could defrost and lock the door. Yeah. It's like call it ahead of time because you got a dinner plan. <laughs> Can you take the meat out of the freezer, please? Can you just put it in the sink, run, run some water on there? Yeah. I'm going to th- I'm gonna throw that shit on the grill when I get home. So let's just. <laughs> but, yeah, he tells her, like, leave her in the room, but lock the door. Yeah. Like, get out of there. And then so, you know, so we can kind of observe this without uh, endangering ourselves. And uh, from there, the doc and Michelle head over to the, the lieutenant's house. Um, and basically he's going to – basically the whole purpose of this is he wants to grab the lieutenant to show him, hey, this vampire shit is real. And Michelle luckily decides to stay with the lieutenant's wife, and they, they she stays there at his house so she's safe. And she goes – they her, the lieutenant and, and, doc, and the doc go over to the morgue. 
and Juanita is fully defrosted at this point. Sam is on the phone. By the way, kind of amazing to me, which I give the movie credit because they were trying to obviously not have nudity. But Juanita just has like a sheet over her. But then she comes busting out of the freaking morgue door and she's in a full like plush robe from the Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> like nice little little terry cloth action going she's on. Like, this is <laughs> She's like, I may be a vampire, but I'm not going to show this weird hook hand guy my boobies. Yeah. I don't even 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 undead I don't trust this. Yeah, guy. even undead you don't want to show Sam your private parts. <laughs> He's got a hook hand. He could Yeah. He, it's weird. You could cut your nipple. <laughs> But uh, but the shot of her <laughs> sprinting at the camera from down the hall is effective. It is the because she has given it a hundred and ten percent. She's like screeching and like wild eyed. She attacks Sam, gets a bite out of his ass, of course, because you know you know he's doesn't have a lot of dexterity. He's an older cat, and she, yeah. she's able to get a good good hook into him. No pun intended. I think she. Oh, this is when we realize that they did make love. Yeah, because they wake up together, but it's getting it's getting near daybreak. He's like, "Yo, I got a and, girl. Uh, I got a go, girl. Yeah, I got a girl. No, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, L.A. emo legend Blackula turns and goes, "I must go to stay is to die." <laughs> I'm like, "Damn, Blackula, so dramatic! <laughs> like, write this shit down. You're making a whole the album's writing itself." One night together, and Tina's like, "I love you, man." She's more thirsty than. The Blackula is holy shit, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a you know, you we thought we knew everything about him that was magic, but apparently, woo, there's a little more that we have not seen yeah. yet. Uh, apparently, he can stake a few people himself. The doc and the lieutenant arrive at the morgue. It's obvious there's been an attack. Uh, they run into Juanita. And a pretty freaking dope scene where you see the you see the body underneath the little sheet. Yeah. I kind of thought There's blood on the walls. I thought Sam was going to be under. There. I thought maybe she planted Sam there and she took off, but no, it is Juanita. She decided. To I was expecting that too, but I like that Doctor Tom. He's not taking any chances. He pulls out this thick crucible. <laughs> I don't know where he got this from. The pulga. What I don't know. the hell? This is like Thor's hammer, man. This. is... <laughs> It is. It's elegant. It looks like it was handmade. It's... <laughs> yeah, he pulls out an ancient Norse crucifix. Holy shit. And it works. I, I, She starts buying, like, she's kind of freaking out and she's screaming. Like, it's amazing. She does yeah. such a great it job. Ke- it keeps her at bay um, until she happens to walk into the beams of uh, morning sunlight that are coming through the blind. Maybe the lightest morning sunlight I've ever seen kill a vampire because even just the slightest bit and it drops her Jesus it's not even this is like uh, Howie Mandel and Little Monsters like she just turned into a pile of clothes yeah it's not, it's not even brunch light it's like fucking you just barely not woke up even brunch this is like a farmer just got out and had his first cup of milk <laughs> there's like the sun yeah. is just barely peeking over and she fucking kills over like at most, you'd think a vampire would just like feel a little nauseous or something. Like yeah. this is like the level of sunlight. I'm just like, oh man, I better get back in bed. Like if a vampire opened a fridge full of sunny delight, they'd probably die. I guess. <laughs> like holy shit. <laughs> Duh! Give me the purple stuff. <laughs> oh fuck! Hey, if you've been enjoying this podcast, uh, take a listen to this other podcast. It's also pretty damn good. Check it out. <laughs> Hey there, fellow true crime aficionados. We are the host of Bad Axe Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. 
Join us every Thursday for twisted true crime tales, bad deeds, and the supernatural. We've covered family annihilators, cold-blooded baby daddies, cannibals, and even people who blame zombies, ghosts, and voodoo for their bad acts. Bad acts. If you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Stay safe out there, you big baddies, and bye 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 Let me see, where are my notes here? Uh, we just had, uh... Oh yeah, we just, uh, we just took out, uh, the sunlight came through the window and took out Juanita. And then we get to see the lieutenant making a middle schooler's drawing of a vampire for no reason. <laughs> oh god, this reminds, you ever seen that, uh, raise your hand if you saw the leprechaun news bit? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This reminded me of that when they showed the, the the drawing of what the leprechaun looked like. Oh, it's so legendary, and the you know Doctor Thomas is trying to tell him about the vampire lore. He's just letting him know. He's trying to educate the man. Then eventually, Doctor Thomas gets a hold of the lieutenant's drawing of the vampire, and he just looks at it and just looks super unimpressed by it. He's just like, man, eh, I don't know about that. So now we got a bunch of we got the cops in on it. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the vampire thing. How the fuck that? I guess it all worked. It works out. But I think Doctor Thomas does a good job of just getting the lieutenant to agree with it, so the cops just aren't going to question it. Apparently, so they go with it, and the doc knows that there's a chance vampires are going to be spreading across the whole damn city, right? But he still makes some time to go to the club. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always time, right? At this point, that's his office. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't do any work without the freaking dope-ass funk band playing in the front of the stage. You just can't. I've always said that. you got to have a little background music. you got to feel a little rhythm. So like, It's not just him. We bring the whole cast out. I know. Like, <laughs> like come on, over, everybody. Like, I half expected some dead characters to be chilling. <laughs> <laughs> you just see, oh, my God, dude. You just you just see, like, Sam dancing with his hook hand in the, in the middle of the dance yeah, floor. he's having a good time. You know, we look at the back and, like, <laughs> you, know, like the, uh, you look at the back and there's Dracula. He's just giving a cheers. <laughs> it's like, hey. <laughs> it's such good shit. And if we see that all of a sudden uh, Dr. Thomas asks about the um, – Oh, because basically our vampires, our super vampire superior person, Mr. Blackula, comes through. It would be funny if everyone called him Mr. Blackula. Excuse me. Yeah, he's uh, he had to take on a new persona, so he's calling himself Scott Blackula. Scott Blackula. <laughs> he comes through, and we get that nice back and forth between our two our two main characters. Dr. Thomas is asking him about the occult and devil worshipping. It. It's and, good. And did you catch when the waitress asked if he wanted a drink? Oh, yes. What did he ask for? Oh, he, why, he orders a Bloody Mary, of course. Oof. That's the kind of humor I'm here for. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, this comes with tomato sauce? I thought this was actual He's, blood. He does He does a spit take on the first sip. He's like, ah, this, is good. <laughs> this is garbage. He's like, this sucks. People drink this? God, I'm going back to my coffee. <laughs> And uh, we get a little back back and forth between the two. It's it's at, at first I wasn't sure. Like, wait, does Doctor Thomas suspect him? But no, he doesn't at this point. He's just kind of picking his brain a little bit about this subject matter. And man, he Blackula acts so cool about it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm into the yeah the occult's very interesting. And you know what, vampires are the most interesting of of these kind of. <laughs> I, for one, think vampires are the coolest. I mean, they're, they're kind of dope. They, they dress great. <laughs> they 
walk among us in the night, and it's kind of an awesome thing, right? And right away, Dr. Thomas gets no suspicions at all, but I was kind of looking at Tina like, damn, is she looking at him wondering, like, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to screw us over, being so obvious, but no, there's nothing that goes on here. Uh, Skillet does come through, though, but I mean, I wish Skillet had, like, a little intro music every time he came in, like, when... Like in Full House when the side character came in. I mean, Kim, what was the name of the, the, the side character, the neighbor? <laughs> Full House. Uh, Kimmy Gibbler. Yeah, when Kimmy Gibbler would come in, if we would have some a little bit of intro. <laughs> he heads in, and of course, right away, both uh, Blackula and Tina leave. Uh, by the way, not a great not a great sign if every time you come up to a table of your friends, two people leave or three people leave. <laughs> That's twice now in this movie. Skillet showed up and, and Scott Blackula was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna dip." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like you really brought the really really brought the room down when you walked in. <laughs> Though I do like that he turns to him and he goes, "Hey, let me buy that cape off you." I love that. Like, who has the audacity to look <laughs> to at try to buy it? <laughs> I love it so much, man. Skillet is the best. He's just sizzling goodness. Oh, he had to Nancy's place. Oh, because they mentioned Nancy. Skillet mentions Nancy like, hey, have you seen her lately? And they're like, no, she hasn't actually haven't seen her in a while. So that's what kind of triggers the doc to go over. And he heads into the dark room and he sees the photo of our our main uh, character here, Blackula, Scott Blackula. The lack thereof, Scott Blackula. <laughs> And uh, he connects the dots that Mama Walde may be a vampire. Holy shit. Huh. By the way, I love that, too. I love the – I've always liked the whole thing of, like, in a photo, the like, you see the human kind of doing, like, they're talking to somebody and then the fucking vampire's not there. <laughs> There's just an invisible person in that picture. I love it. I just love the fact that at some point they told Tina to just kind of pretend like she's talking to somebody and they took a photo. It's so good. <laughs> uh, Tina even gets mad at Mama Walde at this point. He's like, she was like, why are you so blase? Why were you so blase in the conversation with, with the doc? Like, you you should have done that. They're already probably going to start suspecting you're, you're the person doing all this killing. So right at that moment, the cops arrive at Tina's place. And holy shit, Dr. Thomas does not waste any time. No. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in and just attacks... <laughs> Just attacks Mama Walde like a son of a bitch. Just rushes him. God damn it. And he attacks him. And, uh, of course, you know, Mama Walde just throws him to the side like nothing. Oh, big old backhand. Just boom. <laughs> Sends him sailing. You even put a little baby powder in the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, keep, he keeps that hand strong. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he gives him the backhand. He keeps. He takes off running. And uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, some white cops see a black guy running down the street, so they immediately draw their guns and give chase. Yes, uh, yes, and they actually in the they actually say, "Hold, hold it, Mister! You know that's not what they said in 1972." Yeah. Those fuckers. Now hold on a second, there, sir. <laughs> Where are you going, sir? And uh, they chase him down, and Mama Walde comes out from a dark alley, and all the people, all he's doing is laughing. He's opened his arms. He's got no weapons. And guess what the cop does? What does he do? He tries to shoot him. What? And uh, Mama Walde makes quick. This ain't no cops I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no shit. And uh, Mama Walde just quickly just wastes this fool. Just fucking. Makes short work of him. And uh, Tina's all broken up. She's in love with 
with Mobile all day. She does not. She just can't believe that he killed a cop and that he got away. And she's she's torn. She's you honestly. She's one of the most broken up characters in the entire film. Like she's torn. She's got. She's obviously Michelle's. I think her sister, right? Or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think they're actually siblings. Yeah. They're the siblings. She's very close to Doctor Thomas. But then she's also very much in love with Mama Walde. So she is just completely torn in half in what's going on because obviously she really would love to just spend the rest of her life with him. So the cops in the next scene really make you feel even better about seeing that last cop die. They say a few things that are very questionable. Um, they see who looks a person that looks like Bobby walking around, not the Bobby that's on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> You want know, to talk about doppelgangers? Suddenly, I show up in this movie, <laughs> and uh, he's dressed as Jason <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth, but from the Nintendo version. Yep. By the way, my favorite cosplay of yours. I don't know if y'all know oh, this. Thank you. Bobby does cosplay. He knocks. Uh, it's been a little while, thanks to the panda. Yeah, <laughs> not the best for cosplayers. The current situation. No, bad in. time. Bad time. But I, I've done it for about ten years now, and uh, the one that he is referencing is a uh, in twenty eleven. I want to say I put together a, a Nintendo Jason Voorhees. Oh, so hell it was, yeah. uh, all purple and blue with a pixelated machete. So fucking good. It, do, do you have a, Do you have any history playing that game? Oh, yeah, I played it all the time as a kid. It was one of the Nintendo games I had. It was hard as shit. Fucking <laughs> frustrating as fucking shit. I almost, like, fucking destroyed. I, I almost destroyed the entire Nintendo system because I was just... Oh, like, it was fuck a frustratingly game. hard game. Oh, my God. Uh, who can forget you and your friends are dead game over? Oh, you can see it all the time. Jesus, it's, it's so hard to throw an arching rock to something it's like why would you make it arching can it just go straight anyway let's sometimes this isn't a video game podcast but yeah if you want to if you want to find a, an old 80s game where it heavily features a mustache we can we can go off on video games <laughs> yeah, i might have to do that we might need to do a, a, a special bonus episode bring us all in to talk about mustachioed video game characters <laughs> other than mario yeah we'd have to do red dead redemption there's plenty of options out there so uh the the cops in the uh, the cops eventually they they see him they they reach out to to the lieutenant they let him know we think we may have found um, we may have found Bobby so they they head out and why all the cops in this movie are wearing helmets in their cars I don't know but I just had that in my notes <laughs> it's a weird choice it makes no sense but uh, they're given distinct instructions though do not follow on foot yeah yeah like. We're getting the word out now. It's like you're gonna to want to go in groups, and you're gonna to to, you're gonna to to not go out there without a vehicle surrounding you. And I don't have a lot of notes on this, but basically they figure out that the vampires are in a warehouse. I, I didn't. I kind of was not paying attention with all the back and forth with the cops, but they figure yeah. out their. Well, in the we've, we've basically we've tracked uh, Scott Blackula yeah. and his uh, cohorts back to the <laughs> warehouse in the garment district where this movie started. Yes, they're back there. Because uh, Bobby went back to his stomping grounds. You know, they followed him back to where his job was, where he had all the stuff. By the way, Garment District in L.A., a real place. Uh, yeah. Did not know that, Bobby, until I moved there. And um, a lot of garments. I, I never... I Turns out, was, aptly named. Holy shit. I never seen, they weren't kidding around. I've never seen so much fabric in my life. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was captivated. But, uh, just, you're, you're just your body is covered in pieces of fabric you're like my god this place is beautiful <laughs> just, I bought like 8 rugs and 50 dresses 
So man, your sense of style changed drastically when you moved to Los Angeles. I know. I just couldn't help it, man. I just fell in love with it all. Now you're now you're the peacock of Texas. <laughs> so basically, uh, they've discovered it. Like now, that shipping area, the the storage area, has become a vampire's den. All the vampires oh, yeah. that they've changed you know we we joked earlier about all the dead characters reappearing in the bar but they're actually all here yeah like it's a it's a reprise of everybody we saw get bit in this movie it's insane uh they all come through the woodwork or the crate work as i might say yeah and the cops just start opening up but it's not doing anything no you would have thought that dr thomas would have told him hey here's how you do it but uh they didn't pass the word down and so we get a couple of cops just fucking wasting bullets on these vampires and they just get fucked up specifically this one cop where they just all jump on him and i'm guessing they're all wearing wardrobe that they found in the crates because it's no well it's the garment district you know you just go next door (laughs) find a couple things oh look at this cool jawa robe i'm gonna put this on i like that let's try it it's nice and cozy and warm but uh but yeah, that's kind of fun. Every time we see a cop go down, he he ends up popping back up a minute later with fangs. Real quick, too. There's a quick turnaround with that one of them. That turnaround is wild. The cops just die fast. Uh, they come up. But, and... but this is uh, this is interesting, though, because they start grabbing these oil lamps that they're throwing like Molotov cocktails. I was going to say, how accurate is this? Do you, uh, did you have to at least light them? Because they're just throwing them and they're exploding. Yeah. I feel, yeah, this is some video game shit, man. <laughs> I feel like you have to actually have some fire to get that oil to ignite. <laughs> But uh, but this reminded me of uh, of the the ending of the movie Zombie. Oh shit! I've not. Yeah, I love that movie. In '79, they start like firebombing the zombies that are shambling toward them. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is uh, Lucio Fulci, you hack. Goddamn, <laughs> damn hack. Lucio Clearly Fulci. a big fan of Blackula. <laughs> there were obviously a few directors that were big fans of this film. Because they're just borrowing elements here and there. But yes, the oil. I love it, the fact that the, the cop rises with his fangs and the lieutenant is Lieutenant Peters is reluctant. He has it in his hand. He has the oil lamp. He's ready to throw it. And Dr. Thomas is like, you know what? Give me this fucking thing. I don't give a shit. It's like just chucks it at this dude. Yeah. Tonight we dine in hell. <laughs> You don't get to kill a white cop very often. And he was taking advantage of this. <laughs> he was like, fuck this. I'm going to light this motherfucker on fire. And uh, <laughs> he lights up. They run in. They they run into the to Blackula on the way out. Uh, Scott Blackula on the way out of the warehouse. <laughs> he, he was hoping this leap would be the leap home. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. This is just an episode of Quantum Leap. And, uh, <laughs> and he's stuck in the body of a black vampire in the 70s. <laughs> That would have been a hell of a fucking Halloween episode. That's how they should have done it, man. <laughs> no one thought of that on Quantum Leap? Like, for the Halloween episode? It was like, guys, Scott Blackula. It's right there. They definitely thought of other questionable things, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to start a Quantum Leap podcast. <laughs> and uh, he... I joke, but I would listen to that. I would, too. <laughs> I would not mind revisiting that show. But, uh, yeah, we just Dr. Tom gestures to the army of the undead and says, is this what you've had planned for Tina? And uh, and Blackula isn't like that. He's like, silence! Tina's life means more to me than my own. Oh, yeah. But uh, if you'll excuse me, I have urgent business elsewhere. And he turns into a bat and flies away. Yeah, he, he, he turns into a bat from the spirit Halloween store. But, yeah, uh... it's dangling on a string. <laughs> Oh, God. It's a real Sesame Street shit he turns into for a second there. Austin actually uh, 
you know, just north of San Antonio. The bridge. Yeah, they got a, a wonderful bad bridge. I've, I've visited a couple of times just to kind of see them fly out, and it is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my I, life. I took that in when I visited. Austin. Oh, of course you uh, did. <laughs> of course I did. I got I got a button from the deaf guy on the bridge who shows you the best place to go. I go, oh, it was a, uh, it was amazing. That was a, that was a wonderful moment getting to experience that. Just this this brown cloud comes out from under the bridge of just like thousands of bats, and it just everything smells like a wet dog suddenly, and you're just watching these bats fly everywhere. <laughs> you gotta love South Texas. Yeah, dude, yeah. that ruled. Everything smells like a wet dog, but you know what? And that's just the Texans. That's just yeah, that's just us. <laughs> that's just y'all sweating in your boots. It's hot out here, dude. Damn. Yeah, it's too hot for these clothes, so man. Fucking... Can I please wear shorts? Too... Why am I wearing jeans all the it's time? Too humid for Wranglers. God damn it. Oh man, it's so uh, after all that, uh, he takes off like like you said uh, as a bat, uh, and the doc tells Tina that um, he's killed. You know. Blackula's killed a lot of innocent people. Like, come on, Tina. You gotta work with us here. Yeah, this is an interesting, like, your boyfriend is a vampire intervention. <laughs> it feels very like trying to convince someone they're in an abusive relationship and they don't realize it. And you're... It, it does. Yeah. She's like, well, you know, he's different when it's just him and me. Mm-hmm. He's not biting anybody. You're like, he's literally a vampire. He's a fucking like, he's been, murderer. He's been murdering people. Yeah, he's not a good person. You need to help us. Which is so funny because the way she can help them is to be bait, basically. Yeah, we need you to be Daphne in our Scooby gang. Do you mind? <laughs> Just stay in a room. We're hoping he pops up, and then we're going to fucking kill the guy you love. <laughs> yeah. I love that. When your boyfriend gets here tonight, we're just going to fucking murk him. <laughs> Let's go. murder his ass. That's so funny. And uh, we get to see his powers here. He she goes into a sort of telepathic-type trance. Yeah. But, but our, our guy, Scott Blackula, is on the roof uh, watching all the cops gather. Yeah being powerful and shit and he turns pretty cool yeah it is kind of dope he turns into a bat and <laughs> right away someone's like there's a fucking bat <laughs> i've never seen a bat in la there's a fucking bat right there that's probably him get him get, get it just <laughs> shoot that dip <laughs> it would have been there's a bat on the fire escape <laughs> would have been funny if he died by bb gun uh after <laughs> some kid took him out <laughs> fucking slingshot and shit but no, that's not what happens. Uh, Tina goes into a trance. She starts. She leaves the room. She goes down a fire escape and works her yeah, way he, down. He like, tells her where to meet him, where there aren't going to be others around. Exactly. The chemical plant. <laughs> it's like he's going to turn into the Joker at the end. Of I know. I was thinking the same too. I was like, if they were going to come out with a Joker, would, would it be bl- Bloker? Oh man, Jocula. <laughs> Jocula. <laughs> I'm sure there's a comic about the Joker becoming a vampire. There's gotta. Be. There's gotta be. That would be amazing, and because uh, I know there's been, I know Batman's been a vampire in some Elseworlds story, right. so he probably bit the Joker at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I hope so. And uh, she goes into a treat area uh, down, down uh, while some romantic R and B music plays, uh, which feels incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. pretty nice. And I was like, "What's Get a little Teddy Teddy Pendergrass in the back?" Yeah, I was like, "Whoa, what the hell's going on?" And uh, she she goes down some stairs, and uh, this is where we find out the the cop lets the lieutenant know she's going into an underground chemical plant. So, she... <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon's been alerted. <laughs> And uh, she finds uh, Momo all day, and uh, they embrace. The cop sirens, of course, let him know that they're near because they're too stupid to go incognito and not put their fucking sirens on. 
So she knows right away. And the cop says, uh, the cops come down the stairs, like there's like 20 of them, and one goes, you go that way, I'll go home. And it's just like fucking... <laughs> <laughs> They're just so useless in this fucking movie because he just makes quick work of all of them. Uh, there's, there's some decent decent stuff, but I got to tell you, Bobby, the part that made me laugh the most was where Baba Walde grabs a couple of fucking empty plastic uh, barrels and he just fucking oh, throws them down. He just fucking Donkey Kongs <laughs> these cops. So amazing, dude. Love it. He, the, he just whips a barrel like at somebody down below and just like cracks him in the head. Because he's it. from the he's coming in from the second floor and he's throwing it down to someone way on the uh, down on the first floor and it just fucking bonks the motherfucker. Like I'm like holy shit. Even if that guy didn't die, that's fucking hilarious. Like, see, I, this is one of those like those knockoff like T-shirts from you know Redbubble or whatever. Oh yeah. To make, where it's the old Donkey Kong layout, but like Tiny Mario is a cop. Yeah, and uh, and Donkey Kong is black. <laughs> That'd be so dope, dude. And then Tina's there as the as the princess that you have to save. You gotta. I mean, that's an entire T-shirt that needs to be on T Public or like you said, Red Bubble somewhere. Yeah. It is too good. Uh, Actually, better better make Mario uh, Doctor Tom. Oh yeah, yeah, make Mario Doctor Tom. He's got the mustache. It's fantastic. And uh, so Mama Walde. Then after all that, um, the doc lets the cops know to keep their eyes open and. At this point, there is a cop that eventually does shoot Tina. Like, yeah, I think he's aiming for Mama Walde, but Tina takes a slug and goes down. And, uh, and oof. Uh, this is oh no, they got the rash. Because <laughs> we get, uh, you know, we we get some some all caps response, <laughs> you know, because he's he lets them know he says, "You and your friends are dead." This will be your tomb, your tomb, your tomb. It's just like echoing. <laughs> Damn chemical plants. They don't yeah. have any sound deadening, so, you know, it just echoes easily throughout that place. And uh, the, right away, I would have just left, to tell you the truth. But <laughs> yeah, This is when you go, well, we've done all we can here. I'm going to go home. Um, what do you, what do you... <laughs> yeah, the cop who pulled the trigger is like, Damn, Jeff, you shouldn't have shot that lady. <laughs> you fucked up, Jeff. We got to go. Yeah. It's like Luther from the Warriors. He's like, I didn't do it. It was it was the other cop. And he just runs out. And uh, by the way, all of a sudden, did did Black Yellow have anything to do with this? Because all of a sudden, a cop gets electrocuted. I'm like, I I was realizing. Wait, maybe chemical plants are just in general dangerous. So you not only are you in a dangerous chemical plant, but you're also dealing with a vampire. Yeah, you don't want to be running around in there. Yeah, like you said, you can easily become a Joker. It can happen at any moment. And you don't want that. You don't. Not good. You don't want to have an infectious laugh and want to just destroy your entire city. It's not good. It's not good at all. And, uh, and so after that, that's when we just get a bunch of killing. He just gets his revenge. He's just fucking knocking cop after cop out. Uh, they find the coffin. That's really their, been their goal. They're trying to find this damn coffin uh, yeah. uh, where, where, where Blackula sleeps. And they find it. <sighs> And uh, Dr. Tom doesn't want to waste any time. He just flings the thing open and jams a stake in there. <laughs> I think he closes his eyes. He doesn't even look. He just fucking stabs yeah. down, dude. He's just like big old full arm extension. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throws that thing in there. It's like Santo fighting the vampire women. And, of course, uh, fortunately. But, uh, but who's in there? Oh, Tina, Tina, Tina. Oh, man, Tina can't catch a break in this movie. She gets stabbed right in the fucking chest. She just barely became a vampire. She had some, like, dope-ass sort of Bride of Frankenstein hair going on. 
Like, yeah, she looked really cool as a vampire. I was hoping to see the Bride of Blackula, but we don't get it, but for, like, this moment. This little moment. And, uh, and Dr. Dobbs just got this look of, like, oh, crap! What did I do? <laughs> Shit. He holds back Michelle, who obviously is freaking the fuck out. Her sister's just been stabbed Second in the Second time in this movie, she's had to watch her boyfriend stab someone in the heart. No shit! I just thought about that. Yeah, you're right. And she just sits there going, oh, Christ, he just keeps doing <laughs> what it! What the fuck? He can't stop. And they pull her away. And Mama Walde comes through, and he sees that and Tina's he, gone. He gets, he gets oddly calm. He does. So we're, we're getting one last uh, glimpse at L.A. Ebo legend Blackula. Yes. Because he turns and goes, what's left for this cursed creature? Oh, so sad. Teardrop. Uh, he's writing a, th- a third song now for his album. And you see his fro has turned into a, a, a bangs over the one eye. He says, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> he, he looks right at Dr. Tom. He starts telling him a story. He's like, you know, when I was a young boy, <laughs> he said, my father, <laughs> he says, let me tell you about the time when you were God and so <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop saying pop punk yeah. uh, lyrics here. That's enough of that. <laughs> yeah. Bobby, I don't know. I don't know from Barely. He starts his band from Thirst yeah dude that's that's what that band should have been called i would have listened to him way more instead of uh whatever it was from you know skrillex whatever skrillex, whatever skrillex was doing back then from thirst to last that's wonderful but uh dr tom pulls out his crucifix he's ready to throw down and uh and, and mama walde says you know there's no need for that yeah oh he's... and oh man this is this this really just breaks your it's heart, tragic. man. Uh, the sun's coming up uh, outside, and so he just, with dignity, he collects his things and he just walks up into the sunlight. Yeah, just goes up those and, stairs. Uh, By the way, there's a sign behind him that says "No smoking," which is that's a great fucking great hilarious. Because as the sun takes him, you know, he falls back. He's laying on the ground, and uh, we do some. Uh, we get some real special effects. It's probably the the most gore effects we get as we watch his body break down in the sun. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, because his cloak yeah. kind of covers him, and uh, we're kind of melting the wax figure with a hair dryer. Exactly. It's just like, <laughs> come on, just fucking melt this shit. They put a couple of like worms and stuff. Some yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Suddenly we get all the mealworms going. And his eye sockets. And it's a it's a little goofy, but also pretty effective. I would imagine, especially at the time, I'm sure people didn't expect it because, like you said, the 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 movie hadn't really done much of this kind of stuff. So it does kind of catch you off guard when he takes the the little cloak the cloak off of his face. And yeah, he's uh you know he is no more. He is gone. He turns into a skeleton. And I actually really like the fact that the movie just ends it with him dying to skeleton to credits, just in credits. Yeah, like they just they just leave on that point. Yeah, it, it's amazing, man. I it, it, I I thought it was a, a great way to end the the movie, but we will continue talking about this. But really quick, I just want to make sure that y'all know, I do, I do like to do a quick impression of uh, some of some of the the characters that I really like in the movies that we cover on the Mustachio Podcast. Yo, and this is a segment I like to call Quick Impressions. <laughs> Quick impressions. Well, look here, brother. When you do see her, tell Nancy that big skillet has got something really groovy for her. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is a <laughs> yes. 
Skillet Segura. That's a quick impression of my favorite character, Skillet. And uh, I probably didn't do as uh, it wasn't as cool as he was when he said that, but I gave it a good whirl. Uh, you know, Bobby, as you know, I do like to rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. Uh, just in case you haven't heard the ratings in a bit, I know you do. You, you did say you do listen to the show, but for listeners, uh, every episode could be someone's first episode. So break it down. For yeah, you, you have the full Fu Manchu recommendation if you're like fuck yeah. You have the walrus mustache recommendation for pretty damn good. You got the horseshoe mustache recommendation for eh, not bad. And then you have the Hitler mustache recommendation for burn this movie in hell. And honestly, if you're feeling creative about it, you can throw in a mustache in the middle if you feel like it. So uh, what would you give this this movie? Bobby? Oh, I, I don't think this will surprise you at all. I give this a Fu Manchu with eyebrows and mutton trying. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. You know, this is a... Especially on the rewatch now, as a as a nearly forty year old who understands more of what's going on than when I first watched this, exactly. uh, this is incredible. I really enjoyed the hell out of this. I, I think it's a great time. It's a great Halloween uh, time viewing. It is you can play this at a Halloween party, and like you don't have to worry about it being a little too gruesome, a little too you know like hard. It's all kind of it deals with serious things, and there's even some emotional strings getting pulled. But it's mo- it still comes off as a pretty fun movie. I felt yeah. Yeah, you keep the uh, lightheartedness about it. I had a great time with it, and uh, and you know, I have not actually watched the sequel that came out. I have not either, and uh, I want to cover it. Maybe I'll bring you back on. We could go and watch the sequel we, together. We may have to. We may have to revisit this together. I think that would be fun. Uh, it's it's called Scream Blackula Scream. It features Pam Greer, and from what I've heard, uh, according to critics, uh, that movie uh, Scream Blackula Scream is actually even better than Blackula. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, yeah they can, they consider that the superior film of the two. Um, I haven't seen it yet. My understanding is it has to do with uh, a voodoo priest uh, bringing him back from his bones. Oh fuck yeah, dude! So kind so, of like um, it, uh, Weekend at Bernie's too. Yeah, it's it's the weekend. <laughs> it's Weekend at Blackula's too. <laughs> So, yeah, we, you and I are going to have to get together. I don't know if it's next October or what, but we're going to get together and uh, and talk about Screen oh, Black. Oh, way before that, dude. Yeah, we are definitely going to knock this out before the end of the year. Like, I want to bring you back on. Oh, I'm down, man. We'll schedule it out. We'll make that happen. Yeah, because that would be so much fun. I'm so curious. Like, that's actually when you brought it, when I heard that there was a sequel and then you bringing it up, I was like, I wonder how they, because I didn't want to read about it. I don't want to ruin it for myself. Oh, and pardon me for bringing that part up. That's all I know. No, I know. It's all good, bro. Is that a voodoo ritual brings him back after someone gets a hold of his skeleton? Yeah, because this movie ends like, oh, he's gone. Like he's a Yeah, he burns skeleton. away to nothing but a skeleton at the end, and then they just roll credits. Yeah, kind of rare that uh, you ever have a vampire that, tur- that literally burns from the sun into a skeleton and comes back. Only only Blackula has that kind of power thanks See? to the power of voodoo. Do not underestimate the power of Scott Blackula. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so high marks for me. What about you? I also give this the uh, full Fu Manchu recommendation. I think if you have not seen this movie, check it out. This is the perfect time. This is coming out in October. It's not Halloween yet, so you got plenty of time to throw this on. And if you can purchase this movie, purchase it. It's so good. I, think I know uh, Scream Factory put out uh, a two-pack Blu-ray years ago. I think it's out of print at this point, but if you could find that on the aftermarket, uh, that may be worth getting. Yeah, check out eBay. See what, see if there's any uh, some good offers on there that that you can get because it is so much fun. It's great if you have a teenager in the house and you just want to introduce them to some dope ass vampire movies. Just have them check it out. It was a great time, um, Bobby. 
sir. Thank you so much for coming oh, back onto the show, man. The pleasure's been mine, man. I've had a great time talking about this with you. Now, uh, you are a giant part, uh, may I say, the, the person that saved the Grindman <laughs> podcast. Oh, please. <laughs> Why don't you tell uh, us a little bit about the show? But yeah, for anyone who isn't familiar with where I come from, my home turf is the Grindbin. Uh, I'm one of the two main hosts uh, where every week Mike and myself take a different uh, Grindhouse exploitation film, you know, something from the 60s to the early 90s, uh, and uh, and talk about it. You know, if you're a fan of the podcast, you know, it's uh, it's it's kin. It's of it's of it's in the family. It's a similar <laughs> type of show, uh, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, feel free to check us out. We're at GrindPod on Twitter, and uh, just Google the Grindbin podcast. We're just about everywhere. Great podcasts are sold. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, like, they were the first, uh, for some reason I tricked my way onto their show, and it was the first... Uh, the first we still don't get it. Yeah, I don't even know how it happened, but it was the first time I ever got to be on a podcast, and it inspired me to actually start this show. So, oh, if well, you were that's... listening to this... We're, we we apologize deeply. <laughs> if you were listening yeah. to this, it's because of the Grimed podcast, so either subscribe or don't, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how much you hated this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of Daniel, uh, give us a listen. If you're not a fan of Daniel, we're sorry for creating. <laughs> I know because I've also cre- I've also brought in some characters onto that show uh, <laughs> that have branched from me, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, one being Tim Yobo. Uh, apologize, apologize for that. But uh, you know he does have his fans. He is now a lord, by the way. So Lord Yobo, yeah, I know he's, he's listening he's, too. He's one step closer to being our Blackula. Yeah, he is. He's <laughs> yeah. Despite yeah. despite not being black himself, we need, we um, need more vampires with New York accents for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking here. Yeah, we need some more of that. I'm turning into a fucking bad here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby, thank you so much. I know you got plenty more to do today, and uh, just you being able to come onto the show is awesome. And hopefully, we'll see you pretty soon for the sequel, man. Absolutely, man. I'm always happy to make time. It's been great. All right, listeners, y'all have a good one. Until next time, bye.